You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, folks? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I am your host, John Hutspeth, and I am just on cloud nine right now. I got uh, got my little baby girl over here to the side, so if you hear any crying, whimpering, laughter, whatever that might be, that's probably her. Uh, it's okay. She's fine. I promise. I'm watching her. Uh, but yeah, not only do I have my little girl, but I filled a buck tag this last weekend, so... Very, very excited about that. Um, that is not what this episode is going to be about, though. I'm going to make you guys wait a week or two. I already had this uh, this interview scheduled, and it's with my title sponsor, and I just, I just really like these guys. And so I'm going to go ahead, put them in front of myself, in front of my buck story, and go ahead and get this episode out to you guys this week. So, so that's what we have planned. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about my buck. You know, I don't want to give too much away. Um, but if I had to just say something, uh, number one, even when the conditions suck, you just got to be out there this time of year. You know, if it's early October or late season, you know, that might be different. But, uh, you know, very end of October and into November, just be out there. Um, that's a, a big part of the reason I got this buck killed this weekend. Uh, number two, um, during a front is not always the best time. And I feel like I'm learning, I think I talked about this last week or maybe two weeks ago. I'm learning that more and more, but right before that front hits and then definitely when that front moves out, be in the woods. Um, whether it's a rainstorm or just a cold front or a heat front, whatever, like any kind of front, uh, when that thing moves out, deer just tend to get on their feet. And that was another part of me killing this buck. And number three, if it's late October, it never hurts to be around scrapes. And I'm going to talk a lot more about that during the episode. 
that I do, you know, the whole story and everything. Uh, but yeah, that's all I'm pretty much going to say for now. Um, I killed a buck with my muzzleloader. Um, it was a, oh man, yeah, it was just so awesome. I can't wait to tell you guys about it. Um, awesome buck, um, great story behind it. Really hard uh, hunting that weekend. And so, again, I can't t- wait to tell you guys about it, but I'm going to make you wait. So, so that was last weekend. This coming weekend, I will be headed to West Texas uh, to my buddy's place. Again, super excited for it. Um, get to go hunting two weekends in a row, which is kind of a, a, a I don't know, just a, oh man, I don't even know the words. I'm very lucky to get to do this in the position I'm in right now with the young baby and everything. Uh, but, oh man, news on that. My baby has now slept through the night three nights in a row and so that is a huge game changer and so my wife actually told me I like you know basically she's like it's not as big a deal for you to go you know out of town or whatever now so very excited about that she did it in time for my elk hunt which is man it snuck up on me it's like three weeks away something like that I'm gonna be heading to Colorado so we're gonna talk about that more later too uh, that's not for this episode either, but um, yeah, this weekend I'll be headed out to West Texas. Um, I got, uh, I think there's going to be four or five of us out there. Uh, my buddy has two leases now, so the, they'll be the place we've been hunting the last couple of years, and he also has a new lease. Um, his new one he kind of picked up late, and uh, it, it just took him a while to kind of get everything situated. Uh, he's known he was going to get it for a while now, but it just took him a while to kind of basically get all the paperwork done. Um, get blinds out there, get feeders out there. So he has not ran a single camera out there. Um, I think he just got some feeders running like 10 days ago. Um, so like not even two weeks ago. And so I'm still excited to get out there. Um, yeah, I think, I think not having the cameras is almost just as exciting as having pictures of big bucks just cause you never know. And we're going to be getting into rut time. It's still kind of pre-rut out there. Um, I brought Kevin the decoy back home with me. I'm going to take Kevin out there, set him up, hopefully watch him get his butt kicked by a, a big mature buck. Uh, you know, maybe he'll draw something in, maybe he won't, but um, but yeah, very excited about it. And then of course, we'll, well, I think our plan, because the, the new lease is a little further and he hasn't, he, he ordered like a trailer house to put out there, but it hasn't come in yet. And so I think our plan is to hunt the old lease in the morning and then we'll probably head out to the new lease for the afternoon. And again, like we have no idea what to expect. Um, so we're just going to kind of spread out, see what happens. Uh, he planted some food plots out there, but I don't know if they've gotten any, any rain. So he doesn't really expect those to, to, you know, have much draw to him. But, but again, it's, it's early November. You just never know what's going to happen. And so, and it's just fun. This is like, this is really the only time of the year I get like a true hunt camp where you get everybody together, you're at the same location, you're all hunting together, and so it's just a fun, fun time. I look forward to it every year. We've kind of just made this a tradition over the last couple of years. Um, every every opening weekend in Texas, we all go out there, so really looking forward to that. Um, if I get a, br- a buck, great. If not, not that big a deal, um, but you never know. It's, it's a great place. Um, he hasn't seen as good of bucks this year as we have in the past. I'm not sure why that is. But uh, again, like I keep saying, you just never know what's going to happen. So um, one interesting thing uh, that I always bring up when I hunt out there is uh, even though this is kind of like what most people consider like the stereotypical Texas hunt, like we're going to be in box blinds, we're going to be looking over feeders, it's brush country. Uh, it's not necessarily easy. And like you really, like almost more than like tree stand hunting, you have to really, really pay attention because like these deer, they just, they step out and then they, as soon as they step off that road, they're gone. Like as soon as they make it back into the mesquites, 
you cannot see them again. And uh, last year, the first morning I was hunting out there, I actually saw two or three bucks that I probably would have shot. But just, I mean, like I said, they would step out into the clearing. None of them came to the feeder. They were just kind of cruising around. Uh, you know, they might grab a bite or two of corn off the road as they cross. Uh, most of them were just kind of checking does and cruising or just moving to bedding, whatever it might be. Um, but they would just, you know, they'd run across these roads. And by the time I got my gun up and out the window and everything, they were just gone. Um, now, my buddy did do some work. He actually rented a dozer over the summer. He made the roads a little wider. He cleared a few more little senderos and openings and, and dozed in some food plots. Uh, again, I don't think the food plots really got... Uh, I don't think they're going to have much attraction because he kind of got them in late, and I don't think they've had any rain out there. But but uh, I think things are going to be a little bit more open than in the past. Uh, so that's always good. Uh, and again, I'm bringing Kevin the decoy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, probably going to be like more of a last resort thing. I don't think I'm just going to bust him out, uh, you know, the first morning. But uh, we might set him out there, shake the horns a little bit, see what happens. Um, again, I think it'd be cool just to watch like some big bully eight-point go out there and, and beat him up, you know, knock him over. So... Uh, all that to say, it's going to be fun. Uh, my buddy's a great cook. He always brings a bunch of, of crazy meat and stuff. And, uh, man, he really, really knows what he's doing. He uses a green egg and gets that thing piping to like 700 degrees. And, um, yeah, just, oh, I look forward to it every year. So, so uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing this coming weekend. Uh, after that, I don't really know what my hunting schedule looks like. Um that next weekend, I think it's like the weekend of the 12th, I would love to get out there and do some more hunting. But uh, again, you know, going two weekends in a row, might need to, to back off and have a little family weekend. Um, I think my wife might have an event with the with the church that weekend also, so I'll probably need to babysit. And then uh, I think the weekend after that might be the opening weekend of Oklahoma Rifle. And then I think, you know, I, I still got to figure out when I leave. I leave either that Sunday or Monday for Colorado for my elk hunt. And so I have a lot of hunting coming up. I just don't know where it's going to be, when it's going to be, and all that good stuff. So, so yeah, um, I think that's about all I got for this intro. So got a buck. I'm going hunting again this weekend, and we have an awesome conversation today with the guys from Arrowhead Land Company. We got Will Bellis and Andrew Schultz, the owners there over at Arrowhead. And we just have a really cool conversation. Um, I wanted to have them on. I wanted to give them a chance to talk about their business, talk about just, you know, the, the land market and everything. And so we take about 20 minutes or so at the beginning and, and cover that. But these guys are hunters also, and that's part of what makes them unique in the Oklahoma land market. And so um, Will killed a hammer of a buck. Uh, I think it's been about two weeks ago now, and uh, so he tells that story. And then Andrew is originally from Illinois, and so... We talk a little bit with him about just kind of the diff, like what it's like going from a very stereotypical Midwestern state and then coming to Oklahoma and hunting, you know, with feeders and baiting and, and less population, just all that crazy stuff. And so really, really awesome conversation. I love having these guys on and they are a big reason why I keep doing this podcast because they uh, give the podcast some financial support and help keep the lights on and, uh, you know, give me a reason to uh, tell my wife that I need to keep doing this podcast. So yeah, big shout out to them. Uh, big shout out to you guys. Keep up the hard work. Hey, we're coming into like prime time, guys. Um, get out there. Like I was talking about earlier, the most important thing is to just be out there. Um, I know the conditions coming up are not being or not looking so favorable. Um, I think when this drops, it's going to be close to 80 degrees here in early November. And I know to a lot of people that doesn't say, hey, it's deer hunting weather. But 
the rut is still going to go on. Now, some of that movement might be masked, but it's still going to be out there. And, um, you know, I would like I would hunt till at least 9 a.m., even if it's warm. And then, you know, in the afternoon, it may not get good till that last hour, but when it comes, it's going to be really good. And so even though the conditions may not be great, be sure to get out there. Listen to last week's podcast for all the strategy and all that stuff. It's just a very exciting time to be in the woods. So, all right, that's it for me. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's a really, really good one. I'm going to get a get. Oh, whew, excuse me. I'm going to uh, give a quick shout out to our sponsors, and then we're going to get into the episode with the guys from Arrowhead Land Company right after this. All right, guys, y'all have heard me talk about Deer Lab for months now, and this is the time of year it can come in clutch. This last weekend when I was hunting, we had this crazy, nasty weather front come in. The cameras were super slow because the deer activity was way down. And when the front finally moved out, I got on Deer Lab and I just looked for the last mature buck sighting that I had. And that's where I went to hunt. And wouldn't you know it, I ended up putting my tag on a nice buck. So not only is it great for in-season scouting, but I'm going to be obviously continuing to run my cameras for the rest of the year and storing all those pictures in Deer Lab to use for next year because historical data is so valuable. And so not only am I using it for my in-season scouting, I'm using it for my future scouting. So go to DeerLab.com, check it out, and don't forget to use code OKLAHOMAOUTDOORS for 20% off your subscription. All right, I know it's November, but I also know there's some people listening to this that have little to no interest in deer hunting but still love to get outside. If that's you, Private Water Fishing has your back. Simply head over to their website and sign up for your membership, and you will immediately have access to private lakes all over Oklahoma and Texas. No one to bother you or take your spot before you get there. Just a great experience all to yourself. Check it out at privatewaterfishing.com. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show, and today we're talking to two of our favorite guests. We're talking to the guys from Arrowhead Land Company, Will and Andrew. How are y'all doing today? Doing good, man. How are you? Ah, oh, doing just fine. Uh, had a little success over the weekend, and so that uh, you know kind of takes some of the stress off me. And I feel like uh, I, I don't. I try not to let the podcast you know get to me too much, but sometimes when you host a hunting podcast, you feel like you need to uh, you know maybe do a little hunting. And so always a little uh, weight off the shoulders when I get something down. So so yeah, doing good. That was, good. A, that oh, was I'm sorry. really nice. Yeah, yeah, he he was great. Uh, this this episode will probably come out before I do an episode on him, and so most of the people haven't got to hear the whole story yet. But uh, man, he he was somewhat of a surprise, and uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely blessed. So, and I know Will, you had a, a heck of a buck a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, we we got fortunate to uh, connect with a buck that uh, we added to the hit list uh, for the year. Um, we didn't think we'd ever get the opportunity to hunt him. And uh, finally got the opportunity, and it's a buck called Polly, and uh, we finally got to finally uh, reap our revenge on him. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're going to talk all about that here in a few minutes, but uh, before we get too far into this, first, uh, just in case people maybe didn't catch the last episode we had you guys on, why don't you each do a quick little introduction, just kind of who you are, where you're from, and uh, and what you guys do. Well, hey, this is Will talking right now. Um, based, uh we're based out of Sepulpa, Oklahoma. Um, we sell farm, ranch, and recreational ground. Um, we're actually uh, diving off into some of the more lake properties as well. We've uh, we've added onto our team lately and going to try to tackle and accomplish some of that. And uh, 
so that's basically uh kind of a little bit of a spill on on our company we're new uh, as we talked to you guys last time about this uh we're uh only six months into the business we've both been in the business for for years now and uh we're just we've we've seen a tremendous growth over these last six months and we're blessed right now and uh the, the the outreach from across the communities across the state and even into other states right now has just been uh we couldn't ask for really any any more you know than what than what we're getting so uh, uh i guess i'll kind of turn it over to andrew and he can give you a little bit more on what what all we've had going on yeah yeah this is andrew so um and for those of, of you that are listening that don't know who we are or what our company is uh we're the founders of arrowhead land company which is a real estate brokerage that specializes, excuse me, in selling farms and ranches, hunting properties, uh, ranching properties, whether you run cattle, uh, you got horses, whether you just want to live in the country, really anything rural. So um, we help buyers and sellers with their rural real estate needs. Essentially, that's what we do. And so um, Will and I started the company April 21st, actually. Like he said, we have a pretty extensive history in this business. We're, We're really blessed to have started the company with a solid foundation, you know, from being in the business. And, um, it's just been so great. The last six months have been amazing. We're building an amazing team. We've got such good people. We've got a lot of positive momentum in a short amount of time. Uh, we've really cemented ourselves as, you know, one of the premier brokerages, if not the premier land brokerage in the state of Oklahoma. And, uh, we're looking to move into other States and do the same thing. So, we just feel super fortunate, super blessed to have the momentum that we do, especially, um, you know, in a changing market. And I know, John, you're going to get into that here soon. But, uh, you know, Will and I's day-to-day is just trying to help buyers and sellers, trying to help uh, our existing agents and staff, you know, grow their businesses and grow their livelihoods. Uh, we just love helping people, man. We're just, we're good guys that care about people and want to see people do well, whether it's buying or selling a piece of property or just, you know, helping their family meet their needs. So that's, that's a huge part of why we do this. And uh, again, thank you for having us on the show. I know we're going to get into some good stuff. So we just appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And yeah, I was telling you guys a little bit before we started recording, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people, one of my hobbies is just, just browsing land, you know, seeing what's available, what's out there and, and dreaming, you know, a lot of window shopping and, and lately, I feel like I've been seeing y'all's logo more and more and more. So I think y'all are definitely, you know, really getting out there into the market. And, and uh, I'm proud to be a part of it. And I'm, I'm glad we've uh, got this partnership going. And, and hopefully we have it for many years to come. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're about it, man. We love it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I figured we'd uh, start this episode off with letting you guys just kind of talk about what is going on in the market right now. Um you know, we're coming out of some, some crazy times, but, uh, you know, land, like, you know, kind of the cliche, they're not making any more of it. And it seems like it really hasn't cooled down yet. And so I kind of just wanted to give y'all the floor and just talk about kind of what y'all are seeing in the market, um, you know, demand, prices, just all that stuff. And so I'm just going to turn it over to you guys and, and let y'all talk for a little bit. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of speculation as to what's going to happen all the time in the market right um at any given time that's probably the most common question we get is what do you think's going to happen in the market uh, what what's happening in the market right now and uh and it's a good question because 
people are making a huge investment when they invest into a piece of land a lot of times, you know, whether it's uh, where they plan to live or it's uh, a place to hunt or whatever it may be. If not uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, you know, that's a lot of money to a lot of folks uh, and sometimes more than that. So really, uh, before I talk about kind of where I feel we're at now, talk about where we've been, right? Mm -hmm. Um, As you know, John, and as most people who listen to this podcast know, land in Oklahoma and many other places across the country for the last two years has just skyrocketed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we reached what we believe to be kind of the, the peak of the market during, you know, coming off of COVID and uh, interest rates were so low at the time and it was really driving uh, buyer demand when that money was more available, you know, and now we've seen a tremendous rise in interest rates. You know, you're talking where you used to be able to get an interest rate on a piece of vacant land around, you know, in the three upper three percent. Uh, now you're looking at seven, eight, nine, ten 10% in a lot of cases, you know, um, I know some of your home loans and residential loans, you can get something a little more uh, competitive than that. But yeah, so that's a huge increase uh, in what it costs to afford that same piece of property assuming you're seeking financing, right? So we've seen the rise in interest rates affect buyer demand. Um, but with that being said, prices have still held relatively steady. Uh, there are still people looking to sell. There are still people uh, looking to buy. And we've been really busy and, and super fortunate in that regard because uh, land is it doesn't necessarily follow the residential market. And I'm sorry if I'm rambling. I'm really passionate no. about. Yeah, no, this, this is great. This, this is what I want to hear. And what we do, you know, so um, land is kind of cool and it's a, it's a really solid investment because when things get a little squirrely, uh, land stays very stable, right? It's a stable investment. And historically it's been probably the most stable investment that you can make uh, or, or place to park your money. And so uh, despite, things kind of getting a little crazy with these high interest rates and questions of where's the economy going and, you know, the elections around the corner, um, prices have held steady. Uh, we don't see 10 buyers lined up to buy something, you know, like, or or one particular piece of property, like we did maybe 12 to 18 months ago. Um, but there's still buyer demand. Prices are still holding strong and it's still a great time to sell if you're thinking about it. Okay. And that's when it goes back to um, hiring the right agent, hiring the right brokerage. Um, one thing we've been uh, trying to get way ahead of is knowing where the interest rates are headed. So we've been visiting with lots of local banks and lots of uh, out-of-state banks uh, for our team and for our clients to put together the best opportunities uh, for them when it comes to financing. And so what we've seen is, there uh, is this kind of wild, but there's been some non-resident banks that are wanting to get a little bit more aggressive than some of the local banks that we've sat down with. And what we've seen is they have some, uh, some better options right now, uh, believe it or not, like where we're seeing still stuff in the low, in the low sixes with um, minimal down compared to what we're seeing. Like a lot of banks here right now are at 20, 25, 30% down. And some of these banks are still possibly even willing to do like 10% down. So um, we've been trying to uh, look for uh, other options for buyers along those lines. And then when it comes to the selling side of it, um, 
it's been one of those deals of really trying to get sellers to understand uh, where the market really is. Like there was so much stuff overpriced because there was a lot of people that just got into the real estate business over the last 24, 36 mm -hmm. months that they would just literally take any listings on at any prices, which had uh, everyone really not knowing for sure is the ground worth 3000. Is it worth 4,000 an acre is it worth 2000 an acre. So really being able to dive off, show sellers comparables and even show buyers comparables uh, has been really huge. And that's what's allowed us to, uh, to uh, when stuff is, you know, potentially slowing down for some realtors, um, we're still standing strong and um, we, we've got a lot of stuff under contract, lots of new properties coming. We listed six farms today, just me and Andrew. Uh, we spent a whole day in Ofusky and County and kind of went on a listing spree. And I know a couple of our guys listed some other farms. So there's going to be opportunities out there for uh, like stuff that you haven't been able to find during the last 18 to 24 months that you know like just really some print we we set foot on some really primo hunting farms today mm -hmm. that we were just tickled to death that we're going to get the opportunity to sell so and they're priced correctly i mean we've got one farm that uh it's 320 acres in ofusky county coming to the market that uh 2018 i believe it was they killed a 188 on it um i have a little bit of history with the farm because uh I sold it uh, before to a, to a great client, and we found some really nice sheds on the place. It's got lots of mature deer on it. Uh, it's a tough place to hunt because of you know just all the all the timber and cover that it has. But uh, and it's going to be priced just over twenty one hundred an acre. Mm -hmm. And uh, that I mean we're getting back to kind of where a guy can buy a, a nice piece of ground at the in those prices. So we're kind of seeing some of that that guys have bought places and they're like. I, I know what this is really worth, you know, like mm -hmm. let's price it right, sell it. So um, that's kind of where I feel like we're at. And I want to add on to something Will said too, John, if that's all right. Um, you know, when, when you're talking about putting yourself in the client's shoes um, in this market that we're going into, and if somebody's looking to sell their property, right. And they're trying to make the, make the decision of who should I list it with. Okay do you want to list your property with a brokerage who's doubling and tripling down and investing into their company and investing into their people and investing into the momentum that they have? Or do you want to list your property with a brokerage who's letting off the reins and letting off the gas and uh, pulling ads out because they're uncertain of the market or um, taking billboards down? You know, like we, Will and I commented just the other day, if you, I don't know if you've noticed this, John, but when you're driving these interstates, there's a lot more open billboards uh, than there were before. People are already pulling back because they're questioning what's going to happen in this economy. So if you're thinking about listing or buying, make sure you choose somebody who's doubling and tripling down in this market because they're the ones who are going to be in the best position to help you and service you. And that's what we're trying to do with Arrowhead Lane Company right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I showed a, a farm to one of a client uh, just last just last Friday, and it's a great it's a great farm. It's an overpriced farm that we we looked at, and uh, it, it's not it it isn't one of our listings. We'd love to have it as a listing, but it's not. Um, but nevertheless, uh, it's a farm that we looked at. It's a it's a like I said, it's a great farm. But I was there with the with the buyer, and the buyer I I, I really know what this guy is wanting. He wanted to make an offer on the property 
and I just told him, I was like, this is, <laughs> it sounds terrible. I'm a salesman. <laughs> but I was like, this is not the farm for you to buy. I, I just said, I, I, I think we can find something better. I know this place looks great, but I think we can find something better with the market changing a little bit with this guy's uh, situation uh, to be able to attack quickly if the right place comes. And so, uh, man, we're just not trying to sell guys on stuff just to make a paycheck either is what I'm getting at. Like I, this was a big place. It was a multi-million dollar type of deal that I could have sold this guy on. Probably he was ready to make an offer, but I, we want people to find the right place and uh, to get the right buy too. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, actually how we're talking. I was reminded of something that, you know, just like I look at land, my wife looks at houses and she, you know, <laughs> sends, she emails me houses all the time. And, uh, and you, you can so easily pick out the new inexperienced uh, real estate agent from the old one because, you know, she sent me one or two and it was, you know, cash only, blah, 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 blah. And then you look and, you know, it's been on the market for 60 days. And it's like that, you know, that person doesn't know what they're doing or that house would be sold. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know, having the right agent definitely makes a difference. Yeah. And, you know, for those agents, having the right support system and having the right um, mentors and brokers to learn from that, that's a huge deal. And like, we're super fortunate that We've got great people who work with us. We've got the best team in the state, you know what I mean, the best team that we're building across the country. And uh, we invest a lot into those folks. And um, because of that, I feel like they do a really darn good job, man. And so some of that stuff you're seeing, don't be too hard on those people because they might just not have the right mentorship, you know? Yep, that's true. That's true. Awesome. But if you want a property, we can find the right home on the right acreage we can help you out <laughs> okay all right i'll keep that in mind <laughs> uh, i think i might have to uh, up y'all's uh, subscription price to the podcast before i you know go shopping too much but uh, um well before we move on uh any last minute uh deals i mean uh y'all like do y'all have a certain listing y'all like to talk about highlight real quick or any other things on the market um just any last minute real estate stuff yeah, um, we'd like to tell you about a place that we're about to present um, probably as early as tomorrow. It, it's going to go live, if not tomorrow, um, Friday. Uh, it's, a, it's a Hughes County farm. It is probably, I have to, I mean, for a combo place, it's probably the night. When, I'm, when, I'm, when I say combo place, you can run cattle on it, you can hunt on it, you can fish on it, you can build a home. It already has a little two-bedroom kind of ranch, uh, ranch hand house on it with some nice hay barns and shops, but it is probably hands down the nicest farm I've ever laid my feet on, at least in that part of the country. Um, it, uh, it's 510 acres. Um, it's got about a six acre lake and about a four acre lake. It's got a big duck marsh on it. It's got a mile and a half of little river frontage. It's just south of Holdenville and just uh, west of Holdenville Lake. Um, not very far down there uh, from the lake, maybe four or five miles. Um, it'll run 150 pair really, really easily. Uh, lots of Bermuda grass, great cross fencing, uh, overhead feed bends, uh, places to load out for pods to, you know, ship out. Um, I mean, it is, uh, we're, we're tickled to death that we get the opportunity to sell it. It's it, the name of the ranch is the Oxbow Ranch. Um, 
pretty pretty entryway. Um, it's a place for somebody if they want to run cattle, hunt, fish. Um, it's a legacy type of property. So mm-hmm. keep your eyes out for that one. Um, we've got a lot of great footage. I think it's got five to 600 registered pecan trees on it. Um, it's coming to the market at 2.2 million. So it's pr- the, the, we, me and Andrew both sat down with the seller. Uh, we were both on the same page of what we thought it was worth and which is great when you have a seller that agrees with you of what it's worth. Um, typically you're going to sell that place. So I don't expect it to last very long. Um, so stay tuned for that one. That'll be a great one for anybody looking for a combo place type of legacy farm to build a home on. I love what you said there, and I want to highlight it just in case the listeners missed it. Uh, you said laid your feet on, not just your eyes. You actually got out there, and uh, I think that's what you want out of a good agent. You don't want somebody who just does a little Google Earth, and you want somebody who's actually been out there and, and taking the time to, to really see what it is that you're offering. So, Yeah, we always get boots on the ground, man, because you think you know from an aerial, and you just don't really ever know for mm-hmm. sure. And so getting boots on the ground is important. And, you know, even if it's a place that we don't have listed, we might be showing another agent's farm. Um, but we show up there an hour, sometimes two hours before the showing even, so that we can walk it ourselves to be better equipped to show it to our clients, you know? So um, we do a lot of that. But, yeah, you, you can't ever just assume, you know, everything. It's better to get boots on the ground. And what I've really heard a lot over the last probably just two years um, is when you're talking to buyers, the question keeps being brought up to me is, um, they ask, especially when it's our listings are like, have you, uh, have you been on this property? (laughs) I'm like, well, we, we set foot on every property we list. So, um, and you know, we, we set up our camera guys to be on the property too with us. And we just, we take pride in that, man. So, uh, that's just one of the things that we do here at Arrowhead. And John, you had asked about just if we had any particular listings and, you know, we'll mention one and I'll go kind of a different route. Um, right now, and not just right now, I guess all the time, you never know what an agent might have available that's not on the market necessarily, but they know it can be purchased. And what I mean by that is we get a fair amount of people. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to tell them about that. Um, we get a fair amount of people who will reach out to us and they say, Hey, I'm not willing to list this right now. I'm not ready to sell it quite yet, but I would sell this if you brought the right person and the right offer. And, uh, we've got a handful of opportunities like that. And so we call it matchmaking, you know, where basically somebody's approached us and said that they'd be willing to sell, but it's not on the market. So if you're a buyer and you're listening to this, podcast right now and you're in the market and you've been struggling to find a place uh give us a call because there's a good chance we can match make you so to speak to a place that you're never going to know about but we know about and a prime example is today um john literally minutes before we got on the phone with you we just got home from a from a showing today of a property that's not listed to uh or owned by a seller who's willing to sell and the buyer would have had no idea this property existed if Will didn't tell him about it. So that stuff happens a lot. And I just wanted to point that out rather than talking about a specific property. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, for anybody listening, if you are even slightly interested in buying, contact these guys because you never know what can happen. 
appreciate that, man. Awesome. Well, uh, I you know I told you guys before I want to talk about some some hunting stuff too this time, and so uh, uh, Will, I'm going to start with you because you we already mentioned a little bit you killed a fantastic buck, and so I want I want you to take us through that. Um, is this a buck you had history with uh, previously? Did you just kind of find him this year? Just kind of run us through the story. So I have uh, I've known about this deer for close to three years. Um. I've never had the opportunity to, to hunt him. Every time I have gotten close to a property where I know he's at to get permission, something's happened or something's traded hands or you get something pinned down to lease and, you know, things have just always fallen through. So I kn- I've known where this deer was at. I was fortunate enough to know where this deer was at because I, I sold a farm that this deer was on. Um, I did not know that this deer was traveling, uh, well, it's about a mile, mile and a quarter from where, where the first photos of the deer, um, came up with about, like I said, about three years ago now. So he was, he was definitely, uh, uh in my opinion, a, a buck of a lifetime then. So to, uh, to track him down and run across his path again, uh, on camera was pretty wild. So what it ended up happening is this is one of these properties that, uh, it was an off market property. I've done business with this gentleman uh, and sold several farms for him. He's not really a hunter. And uh, I started corning this farm um, because he wanted to sell it, uh, wanted to be done privately, didn't want the whole world to know, didn't want a lot of attention going on down there. And um, so I just told him, I said, I really got to get some intel on this place um, to know what's here. And so we started uh, corning it this summer. Um, We went down there my son and and uh andrew's brother matt he's one of our uh, marketing slash camera guys um they jumped up a couple really nice bucks on this farm and uh so nevertheless uh we we had trouble with hogs at first because they're just they're bent they're really bad in this little corridor and so we only got a handful of pictures of bucks and um so we went back i guess it was uh uh, mid-September, corned again inside of a, a pinned-off area and started getting several, several, I mean, I, I think there was five or six, there's easily five or six shooters, but like I'm talking about sure enough mature five, five-year-old or better deer on this farm. And um, so uh, with that, with having that information, I, um, I I had a buyer, a couple of buyers, and so I started showing the farm and uh, the seller at the time was in a situation where he really wanted to move the farm. Uh, it would help him try to accomplish some goals where he was wanting to go. And uh, nevertheless, I end up getting him a full price offer on the farm. And uh, after a few months of showing it, you know, just putting in the work to try to try to gen- it's it's really tough to sell a farm that you cannot market and show photos of besides just creating, you know, trail camera history and being able to share maps, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, of course we took some drone photos of it for me to shop around, but not just like put it out there for the public. It's kind of tough. So nevertheless, with after uh, putting enough data together, we get this guy an offer and he tells me, he says, Will, I, I'm not in the situation that I need to sell the farm now. I'm really in a situation where I'd love to hold the farm and keep it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really don't do much with it. And I said, well, how about this? I said, uh, uh, if you do you want to improve the farm, 
and make it better than what it is because it, it just hasn't it doesn't have no food plots really no feeders not, not a much not much of anything you know and i uh, got just got a little bl- an old blind on it and an old feed set up that uh that we ended up utilizing to end up eventually ended up hunting this deer and uh and i told him i said what i really like to do is i'd like to come in here keep collecting data from these bucks you know trail camera history let me put food plots in here let us stage it up let us have it ready where if you ever get in the situation again that um you'll be able to get top dollar out of it and he's like well, what would you charge me to do that and i'm like i'll, I'll make a deal with you if you let me and my son come and, and hunt the, you know kill a buck a piece we'll maintain the whole farm and he's like well i can't i mean like we got a deal like <laughs> let's go you know so uh nevertheless um we uh we, so we started putting some sets on the place i bow hunted a, a few times uh and then i think it was october i was right before october it was right at the beginning of the season um boom i got pictures of this deer out of velvet everything we were getting before you know was you know that bat them bastard groups groups of bucks mm-hmm. this buck was not with them so this deer shows up we get two days worth of photos of him and then he's gone and i thought man this is his he's dead you know somebody's had to have killed him but I, I, I don't, I would have thought we would have heard about it. Um, but I, I did know that there was some hunting pressure that I didn't expect. It was kind of going to the, going on to the North. And then, uh, uh, I guess it was right before or the first couple days of muzzleloader we're pulling out of the farm at night, me and my son. And, uh, we run into a, a gentleman hunting to the North and, uh, he asked me, uh, you know, how, how's, how's the hunting going blah, blah, blah. You know, and you're always very skeptical about talking about a deer of, of mm-hmm. like this, this cow, um, to really just start telling the world about him. And, uh, and my son knows this at this point, he's 17 years old. He grew up around an outfitting business. You know, he's grew up around the, us buying and selling farms. And it's just one thing we don't like to talk and share about, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, the gentleman, uh, he, he asked me, he said, uh, so have you guys seen that mega giant? And I was like, mega giant, like, what, what, what are you talking <laughs> about? You know? And, uh, I just wanted to see what he was going to show me. Cause maybe it's a uh-huh. different deer than what I had. Right. Um, he's hunting about a half mile North of us. And, uh, he goes, well, he's alive. And, um, I got him on camera in the daylight on Wednesday. And this was on a Saturday or a Sunday. And, uh, I was like, Oh my gosh, man, they're going to kill him. <laughs> I, and I said, yeah, we have pictures of that deer. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 you know, we, we talked and exchanged numbers that way, you know, we wanted to be in agreement that, Hey, if you kill him, let me know. If I kill him, I'll let you know. And best of luck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know? And so what's the guy do in Oklahoma at that point, John, I'm just going to tell you, he goes and buys a truck bed of corn and he dumps it in one <laughs> spot. This buck's an old buck. So I went out and got all cracked corn. I wanted to make it easy for this mm-hmm. old bruiser. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, we just stopped corning all the small spots on the, on the property and just located in one area that we had seen him before and not tried to, we, I was trying to pull this deer into areas that would be a way easier to, to hunt, you know? Yeah. And, uh, he's smart, he's old, he's wise. So he wants to come out in these areas. that's tough for you to get in and out of as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, so nevertheless, uh, I, I told my son, I was like, we're going to hunt this deer, whether it's me or you and every day until we find him, you know, if that's an afternoon set, uh, if that's a morning set, we, we, we got to find him. Mm-hmm. and so a handful of days go on we don't see him we still don't have no photos we know the neighbor has him on camera 
And uh, that rainstorm that we got, that much needed rain, uh, it was about 9.30 at night. Thank God for cell cameras because my son walks in there and he goes, he's here, he's there. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, of course, I'm like, uh, I, uh, I call Andrew. I was like, I got, I mean, like, I got to find a way to hunt this deer in the morning. Like, there's a very good chance he stays in there. And uh, there's one patch of cedar trees close to where we were feeding. And I said, uh, we'll know a whole lot more here in a few hours if this deer stays over there through this rain and comes in and out of the cedars because it was some heavy downpours. I think they got like three and four inches of rain in there in just a few hours. And literally the deer, every time it started raining, he would leave the corn, go back into the timber, bed down for a few hours. The rain would stop. He'd come back out. So me and Andrew got in the truck about like four, four thirty, And I was like, we're buzzing down there and we're going to see if we can make this happen, you know? And, uh, we walked in the dog. Oh, it was so dark, man. And you know, you don't want to turn light storming, and it's that, still huh? storming. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, and you, we, I literally left, I left the muzzleloader in the case. I was like, I've had a horror stories happen with muzzleloaders in the past. You know, you get something wet and next thing you know, it looks like you're shooting a bottle rocket out of the end of it. <laughs> so nevertheless, we get, we get in there and we're sitting there for probably an hour in the dark. And, uh, as soon as it starts to get daylight, the rain starts to stop. And we're looking at radar, and I was like, I just felt it. I was like, man, I feel like something wild was about to happen. And it, it was one of those mornings, John, where you just felt like it could happen any second. You know, yeah. like I told mm-hmm. there was a point in time uh, during that hunt where I was like, I'm going to answer some emails, you know, do some stuff for work. And then I thought about it for a second, and I was like, I can't even risk taking my eyes off of the timber right now. It was like, it was that good of a morning. And, uh, so anyway, yeah. so it was, so it's kind of wild. It was like seven fifteen, And I, I looked up at Andrew and said, if he comes out, he's going to come out right out of those cedar trees. He's not going to come from anywhere else. That's where he's coming in at. It's got to be where he's coming in at. And, uh, and so it was like 10 minutes later. I felt like I just said it. And I'm looking up there with the binos. We're glassing, glassing some thick brush and just hoping we could pick out a rack, you know, him cutting through there. And I look up and I'm like, there he is. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, I'm literally throwing my binoculars, man. I literally <laughs> threw my binos over him, and uh, I'm trying to get that muzzle loader up. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And of course, you know, he's like, oh man, calm down, calm down. I'm like, I'm good. I'm like, I'm dialed in. Will's literally flailing and flying, and the deer's like looking at us. I'm like, oh, whoa, easy. So we were, we were like about a, we're 140 yards out from him. And uh, the way that this pen is set up to keep the hogs out, if he comes any further to the west, you don't have a shot because you're going to, uh, you're going to be shooting through cattle mm-hmm. panel. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, he was looking at us dead straight on and I was like, Oh my gosh, man. Well, I'm like, as soon as he gives us any quarter, I got to take the shot. And, um, he bent his head over and kind of quarters just a little bit where I could just basically shoot him in the shoulder. And, um, we dropped him right there in his tracks, pulled the trigger and dropped him in his tracks. And man, it was kind of wild. Cause we celebrated in the blind. We get out of the blind and I'm like, I'm literally like almost like, the adrenaline has got me to where I'm like ready to throw up. I'm like, we just killed him. We just killed a mega giant. We're walking over the deer and the whole time we was like, that's awesome. Yeah. So we, so 
the, the, you know, this deer, you know, him bouncing around through those properties and dodging me and ducking me for uh, literally, I mean, like every chance I almost had a chance to try to see if I could find, you know, I knew he was in the area. I knew if I could get my opportunity to hunt some of those properties in the area, he might be on them through, and it's just a long stretch of timber along a creek that, you know, these deer, they'll travel handfuls of miles, you know? Mm -hmm. So with having that intel from, you know, pulling photos off another farm and selling it for a client, I knew he was nearby. I, so I just kind of named the buck Polly. Um, you know, he's just one of those guys who likes to slither his way in and out and kind of snake away from you. And so finally, uh, that was kind of his name. And, when I finally got to meet up with him finally and connect, uh, it was just, uh, it, it felt really, really good. Awesome. Awesome, man. That's great. I love the enthusiasm. <laughs> so the cool thing was, is when I knew, you know, a, a deer like that, especially in our, uh, in our business of being on farms mm -hmm. and, uh, and you don't want people to think you're one, you're taking advantage of them. You taking advantage of opportunities, lots of different things, because, you know, that that's just something you don't want to do, um, in my opinion. And so, and, and you don't want people to think, uh, you know, that you're just out. Yeah. I don't, I don't want people to think that we're just trophy hunters, man, because mm -hmm. I had a, I had a bull elk tag and, and a tremendous unit and day two in the first day I went out and hunted, I, I shot a cow. Mm -hmm. So that's just not really, not really my thing. But when I, I just, I really wanted to try to, to find this deer. And so it, it's kind of cool. But so what I did was, when I knew that I felt like we were really going to have an opportunity to, to, to harvest that animal, what I did was I reached out to two of the, the local game warden and another game warden we knew. And I said, Hey, I, I want to let you know the story about this deer, know what I'm hunting. Uh, I, I want everyone to, you know, I want to be way out ahead of this, that I got permission. Uh, here's where I'm at. I gave them somewhat of a location, not, you know, directly location. Mm -hmm. I gave them an eight mile radius. <laughs> and I said, you got to know about this deer, but, when I kill him, he's, he's going to be a good one. So, uh, I, I did that. And I, I, I mean, I just felt like it was one of those must, you know, must do's for us at Absolutely. that time. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And, and, uh, you don't have to get too specific, but just for the listeners, why don't you just describe this deer a little bit? Oh, shoot, man. He's, uh, he's really, he's got a lot of, he's got 19 scorable points. Mm -hmm. Um, his main beam, so that's where when we started trying to score him up ourselves, we didn't really know what was going to be uh, abnormal points, what was going to be main beam. Um, and so, uh, nevertheless, he's got some splits. He's got a, a couple flyers, a um, couple little points coming off his brows. But he is, he is a, believe it or not, like when you see him, you wouldn't believe this until you put your hands on him and, you, and you, if you know anything about scoring these animals – um, he's a mainframe 12 pointer and I looked at him more as a mainframe 10 pointer. Mm -hmm. Um, but after, uh, I'm, uh, one of the game wardens from up North, uh, uh, Spencer, um, Spencer Grace is the one who ended up scoring him with me. And, uh, and he ended up, he's green scored of course, right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he ended up scoring two sixteen and seven eights. Mm. That's awesome. That is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, I uh, he's, I was just talking to one of my uh, buddies about this a few days ago. He went down to, to Mexico and shot a big buck. And uh, I was like, I, I kind of hate the term buck of a lifetime because it kind of implies that you'll never top it. But, you know, sometimes I think that that might apply. And <laughs> this might be one of those instances. Well, man, I, to be quite honest, I'm going to tell you, it was like after that, like 
it's just kind of the way that we treat our business too. Mm -hmm. Um, we got back in the truck and I told Andrew, you know, we're like, Oh my God, you know, we're talking, you know, people, I kept get, hearing that from folks. Once you call and let everybody know like a buck of a lifetime, buck of a lifetime. <laughs> I looked over at him and I said, where's the next 200 inch yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Get, yeah. Like where's that property at? Where's that? Skill? Is it possible that a guy could kill two, 200 inches in the state of Oklahoma in one year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, but we're looking for him. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I killed a pretty good one in I think like seventeen, not not quite that good, but pretty good. And yeah, several of my buddies, uh, you know, texted me that like buck of a lifetime, and I was just like, I sure hope not, because I'm going to keep hunting. <laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations, Will. Uh, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Andrew, I want to switch over to you here for a second. Um, so uh, you can I, I asked you before. I hope you you're from Illinois originally, correct? Yeah, I'm from Illinois originally, uh, born and raised in the central part of the state. I lived actually for a while in Pike County, Illinois, which mm-hmm. is kind of considered historically like the deer mecca of the United States, you know. Um, not as much anymore, but mm-hmm. uh, it's it's an awesome place, uh, still a hot hunting destination. And so, yeah, originally I'm, I'm from Illinois and uh, moved to Oklahoma to, to partner with Will and, and to uh, be in this business together. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, you know, kind of, as y'all mentioned at the beginning, you know, we have several out of state people who listen to this. Um, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm a part of the sportsman's empire, which is a big, uh, network of podcasts, uh, based out of, you know, with Dan Johnson and Iowa and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny this year we started a new thing and, uh, once a week we try to record like a deer camp episode. And so all the different hosts from all the different States and shows come on. And, uh, I've been on a couple of them the last few weeks and it's kind of funny because anytime there's a question about like baiting feeders, blinds, like anything like that, like all the questions come to me because I'm like the Oklahoma Southern, you know, bait guy. And so, uh, I just, yeah. I, I kind of want to get your opinion. Like, what was it like coming from a very stereotypical like Midwest state and then coming down here to Oklahoma and starting to hunt? <laughs> it's uh it's funny you ask, um, because like I think it's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Um now everybody has their own style, okay? So I'll just tell you kind of uh my mentality coming from Illinois to Oklahoma. So right, I had a farm in Illinois. I bought a tractor, I had implements, I worked ground and I planted food plots and I did this and that and all this sweat equity uh, as it related to creating food sources to create better hunting opportunities, right? And obviously the biggest thing that we've referenced several times is I moved to Oklahoma and I'm just dumping out back and forth. I'm like, oh, I can put cameras over it. Oh, I can hunt over it. Oh, like. I can find out exactly what deer are here without having to like find a scrape or find a trail or like uh, make sure I have an established food plot that, that I can set it over on time-lapse mode, you know? Mm -hmm. So like that was really cool for me personally, having, you know, state my entire life where you're not allowed to bait, you know, you're not allowed to put corn out even to get trail camera pictures. You know, you're not allowed to have, a salt block out to even get trail camera pictures. And so for me, just being able to collect Intel here, that was fun for me because uh, once you have that Intel, you can dial in on that animal and you can dial in on just your, your overall hunting experience. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, like I I was joking, there's people out there who spend a lot of time doing food plots during certain 
parts of the year and uh i'd be out there with my bag of corn say, look guys i'm food plotting you know <laughs> and you know meant humorously of course that's not to diminish the efforts of those who who do those other things but that's such a unique aspect of hunting in oklahoma and in states where you can do that because it just provides that much more opportunity and, and with that being said even you know like i love to share my hunting experiences with friends and family and kids and, and, you know, people who don't necessarily have the same opportunities that I do. So then when you think about that, about how um, you can up your opportunities or up the percentage or the likelihood of success for a kid you take hunting or for somebody who's going out for the first time or somebody who you just want to have a positive experience in the woods, like, you know, that, that's a really cool part of that as well. Um, and, I mean, I could go on and on about the differences between hunting in Illinois and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's, it's different. And really, in a lot, excuse me, in a lot of ways, it's very similar. Um, and really, the quality of the animals, I mean, I would argue at one time, people would say, oh, man, if I have my choice to hunt between Illinois or Oklahoma, for big deer, I'd hunt illinois every single time but like i just don't see that to be the case uh and that's really not just illinois with any of these midwestern states i mean there are so many big deer it seems like coming out of oklahoma right now and and in the past several years it's just wild to me and uh oklahoma is still somewhat of a sleeper we Mm -hmm. talked about this last time john i say this quietly and delicately exactly Uh, Oklahoma is still, in my opinion, very much a sleeper state, and uh, it's just it's such a cool state to hunt. And like we talked about on the last episode, depending on your hunting preferences, um, it has so much for you. Like we just were talking to that seller from our appointment we were at, and uh, he said, if I sell this, I'm going to look to reinvest this in Oklahoma. And Will asked him, he said, well, would you want to be up kind of like – in northwestern Oklahoma, where it's maybe a little more open and uh, maybe, you know, some some greater opportunities at, at big deer. And he's like, nah, man, I don't really like that part of the state. It's not for me. I like it here where there's lots of hardwood timber and so on and so forth. So I'm rambling right now a little bit, but Oklahoma compared to Illinois in terms of the landscape, in terms of the deer hunting, in terms of the turkey hunting, it's all very similar to me. The primary difference is most places here that you see cattle pasture in Illinois, that would be tillable farmland, which of course impacts the, the hunting there in a positive way. You know, yeah. um, Oklahoma seems to have a lot more water. Um, we don't seem to have the problems here with EHD mm-hmm. and some of these other, uh, you know, diseases that, illinois has right now for example and and this is not me uh knocking illinois because i love hunting in illinois it's still a tremendous state to hunt um i just think oklahoma is absolutely incredible and there's a lot of positive things to to talk about when you're comparing it to some of these other big buck states Mm -hmm. so so please understand i'm not trying to knock illinois at all i'm just trying to talk about how great oklahoma truly is right I tell people all the time, you know, I, I feel such a, a catch-22 with this podcast because I feel like part of my job with this podcast is to talk about how awesome Oklahoma is and, you know, all the opportunities. You know, I did a an antelope hunting episode a couple of weeks ago. 
Um, but at the same time, it's like, man, part of me kind of hates doing that and getting all this word out. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I did a, an episode with, um, JD strong, the director of the Oklahoma department of wildlife. And, uh, it was a very encouraging episode, just hearing about, you know, how strong our deer herd is, um, the management practices. Um, and so, yeah, like it's, I feel like, uh, at least in the, in the near future, I think we're going to be okay. And I think we're gonna have plenty of deer for everybody to hunt. So great. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I have one more last uh, question for you, Andrew. Uh, yeah. When I'm talking to people from other states and they're asking me asking me about feeders and corn piles and stuff, uh, you know, the kind of the comparison I always give them is, you know, it's basically just like hunting a small food plot. Same concept. You're hunting a small food sure. source. Um, sure. Have you kind of found like, you know, because you've kind of done both, like, would you say there's a a really big difference in hunting, say, a feeder over like a, a one acre food plot? You know, obviously you're concentrating the deer more, but uh, where I'm really coming from this is like the pressure aspect. Like, especially if you're a bow hunter, yeah. you know, if you're a bow hunter yeah. and you try to hunt a, a feeder, you know, every day for four or five days, like you're going to have diminishing returns. Yeah. Is it kind of the same yeah. if you're hunting a smaller food plot, or can you kind of get away with more? Absolutely. It's funny, uh, because my mind went straight to access when, mm-hmm. when, and then you said yourself, um, so yeah, when you compare the two, you can't just, uh, not play the wind, you know, you can't just not have good access. I mean, all that stuff is still extremely relevant. And I'll tell you, I bought a farm here in Oklahoma and it's not a big farm by any means. And it's actually a lot of open pasture. So my access is not the best on this particular property. And especially in the mornings, it's extremely difficult to hunt. I've never even hunted it on a morning because I know that I'll just be running deer all over the place. And so I'm trying to hunt it as smart as possible. Um, But with that being said, I was after a particular deer uh, that I've named Donilo. And um, I can't catch up to him. And I, I think it's because maybe at the beginning of the season, I was a little intrusive, anxious to get to the fear when he was, you know, making his appearances, you know? And so now I'm, I'm waiting on that road activity and, uh, where, where scent and access and some of that stuff becomes slightly less relevant, right? Because obviously the bucks are out chasing and getting a little silly that time of year, but yeah. So going back to your question of hunting over corn, as opposed to food plots, I think the real value is in your scouting, um, not in your hunting. Of mm-hmm. course, you're going to have great hunting opportunities, uh, whether you're hunting over corn or whether you're hunting over uh, a nice standing cornfield that you planted in the summertime yourself and, and sprayed and maintained. You're going to have opportunities either way, but really where there's the most value in my opinion, it's in being able to concentrate those deer to a certain area in the summer scouting months and being able to really, um, you know, dial in on, on what's around. You know, for example, like in Illinois, if you want to see what bucks are in an area, you drive back roads, back roads and look at soybean fields, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the bean or the deer in the beans all summer long when they're in velvet until the beans start to change colors in Oklahoma you don't drive back roads, back roads and look at soybean fields in most of the state, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in, in the areas that you do, that's a primary strategy for those folks. But 
Yeah, I think the advantage is in, in scouting. That's where I see the most value in it. But your access is still important. Scent control is still important. And just not pressuring an area or one particular spot too much is also really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess I'll put it this way. Form pile doesn't make you invincible. You know? <laughs> That's right. That is right. <laughs> awesome. It's nice to hear an out of Seder uh, say that as well. You know, just, just, you know, we can say it all we want to, but it's, it's better when, uh, you know, maybe somebody not from here admits it also. So, but you're, you're you know, you're here now. We love you. We're glad you're here. And so, uh, yeah, enjoy. Man, I'm, I want to tell you, dude, Oklahoma is awesome, and I'll spend the rest of my life here if it's up to me. Mm-hmm. It, it's just really an awesome state, good people. It's a good conservative state, and it's just uh, – I love it here, man. And for anybody who's never been here, we're happy to show you around and show you the countryside and maybe even let you hold Will's big buck that he just <laughs> shot. If you're really, you know, so come on out. We'd love to have you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, before I let y'all go, um, I want to make sure people know where to find y'all. Uh, and so if somebody listens to this and is like, hey, I want to give these guys a shout, um, why don't y'all give us, uh, you know, website, phone numbers, it, you know, if you want to, uh, social media, just any way somebody can get in contact with you. Yeah, uh, our website is arrowheadlandcompany.com, all spelled out. And... Um, Y'all are welcome to contact us at any time. Our contact information is on that website, our email addresses, our phone numbers, um, the contact information for our entire team. We have a really, really skilled team, uh, all with a diverse set of skills. And, uh, you know, there may be somebody on there who you want to talk to as well. So please get on our website, browse through our team members. Um, we've just got the best people in the world and they would love to help you as well. So, uh, I don't know what am I missing there? Oh, we do have social media. We have Instagram, we have Facebook. Uh, if you just type up Arrowhead Land Company, you'll be able to, to come across our page and, uh, yeah, give us a follow. We try to interact with everybody on there and, uh, yeah, and sometimes on there, that's where you can find some of those properties that, uh, maybe not quite be lit. They're not listed. Mm-hmm. but we're talking about them maybe on there. We might show some video of them. Uh, they're kind of uh, those off market places that we, you know, can, that's one place we can kind of share them. Uh, they might not have the location of where they're at, of course, but mm-hmm. um, uh, one of those things where you can find some of that as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, I can't say thank you enough. Um, y'all have been fantastic to work with. Um, you know, I, I should have mentioned this at the beginning. Y'all are the title sponsor of this podcast, and I can't say thank you enough just for your support. I love this relationship, and uh, I hope it continues for many years to come. So thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Thank you guys for just talking to us today, giving us a market update, telling your stories, and just sharing a little uh, you know, a little bit about yourselves with the listeners. So thank you guys so much, and uh, until next time, we will see you guys later. Thank you. Thanks, John. All right. Thank you, Will and Andrew, for all that you guys do for this podcast. Thank you for coming on and just sharing your knowledge about both real estate and whitetails. It was a fantastic time, and I hope all you listeners uh, really enjoyed that. And again, if you have any land questions at all, please give these guys a call. They really know what they're doing. So uh, that's going to do it for this week, guys. I really appreciate everybody listening. Um, Like it, share it, uh, hit me up on social media, tag me in your photos, whatever you got to do. 
And, uh, and don't forget to just get out there, enjoy God's creation, and do this thing that we all love so much, hunting, fishing, anything outdoors. So thank you guys for listening once again. Have a great week. And until next time, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.